Oh, all right, Jamsters. How we doing? Another win for your Phoenix Suns right back there on track. I'm sure I'm all pixelated again because I'm at home. So if you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> I'm back at home with my shitty Wi-Fi. You just can't have it all, can you, Matthew? You know, either I'm on the road and I'm in a hotel room with fantastic Wi-Fi or I'm at home in the comforts of my own home. And my Wi-Fi sucks. And, you know, for those of you watching, uh, I'm probably all pixelated and Transformer-esque, right? And is, that, is that what you're seeing? That's what we're seeing, but um, it'll come together, hopefully. And, yeah, it would be a perfect world if you would have just, like, a little bit of a decent Wi-Fi connection. But we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll figure our, ourselves out through this, right? We'll get through this together, I think, John. Well, we'll figure it we, out, all, we always do. We do it with the Jamsters. So for those of you who are joining us, we truly appreciate it. Make sure you hit the thumbs up button down below. Make sure you subscribe to the Suns Jam Session podcast, whether you're watching along live or you're listening on any major podcasting platform. That's where you'll, you'll find the Suns Jam Session podcast. If you're on Spotify, hit the five stars on Suns Jam. If you're on Apple, leave us a five car or a five star review. Uh, please, please do that. And, you know, again, if you're watching, you can utilize the Super Chat. You can donate to the show right here and help me get a new Wi-Fi connection. This is driving me nuts that I come home and it's like I'm living on like one bar of Wi-Fi. I'm connected directly into my hard drive over here and it's still like, nope, one. You get one. Yeah. You know, you, you pay thirty dollars a month, though. I mean, that's yeah, that's what you get, man. You're basically homeless. So I don't even. <laughs> Josh, Joshua, Josh, seventy-seven says his stream quality is like a Picasso. Yeah, very artistic. <laughs> we should just never say anything. It's like kind of an artsy way that you can go about it, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's how eight I bit know it. a... Yeah, eight bit metal mic. Darth is eight bit. Yeah, I'm yep. living that that eight bit world right now. But I'll tell you what. The Suns aren't living in the 8-bit world, although it felt like it, considering that they only had, what, like nine players actually available today uh, for mm -hmm. the game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to go ahead. Uh, oh, what, real quick, Westville, get Cox Communications, bro. That's who I have. They suck. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I got Thermal Cox. Little Diversion Pool says I'm cheap. You know what? Maybe I am. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to keep that overhead trying to keep that overhead low but a little too low when i'm when, when you stream a live podcast after games you gotta you gotta take some of that money and allocate it appropriately but uh plenty to talk about on this edition of the sun's jam session podcast make sure you subscribe to sun's jam on twitter at sun's jam you can follow me at darth voida you can follow matthew nah, matthew lissy well my friend let's pop open a nice cold beer and talk about this game against the thunder sound good yeah you actually got one yeah, hell yeah, I'm at home, homie. All right, man. Yeah, so you got a Lagunese IPA. I got a yep. Coors Light. So crack them if you got them, Suns fans. Let's talk about this dub. Back in the to the winning ways for the Phoenix Suns. It ended up being an 18-point victory for the Phoenix Suns, although it didn't necessarily feel like that kind of throughout the game. So therefore... Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask, are you in any way, shape, or form concerned with the recent lack of intensity and aggression from the Suns at the start of these games? Um, kind of off and on. I, I think it's just such a weird season right now where I'm not really buying into being scared 
whether or not you're going to lose a game against a team like the Thunder. Um, even if we were to lose this game, which I knew we wouldn't, um, I just if you're going to lose this kind of game against a bad team, it kind of makes sense because these bad teams right now they're playing in a way where they're they're coming out with a lot of effort, right? OKC is the best example. They actually had a lot of players out of COVID too. They had a lot yeah. of new neighbors come in, play with a lot of intensity. You really don't know what you're going to get from those guys. So, of course, you're playing the Suns. You want to play against the best team. You want to show yourself. You want to. You want Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome wants to come out and he wants to destroy the Suns for what they did to him. Right, trading him away. How dare how them? Dare yeah, me. but I mean, it's the season's just like I said, just very, very weird. So. I'm not buying into the talk. I think you get through these games. You don't go on the three-game losing streak that the Suns avoided tonight. You get through the games as best you can. You got to get the win no matter what. No matter how ugly it looks, no matter how at times you're just looking at the game, you're like, who's going to score besides Book? Who's going to help out Booker tonight? No one was really able to at times, and it looked kind of scary in that way. But just get these wins, man. I mean, we're going to talk about this a lot this year with the COVID stuff. It's just really about just going out and who can help Booker and who can help Chris Paul. And then if Aiden's in the game and the Booker's out because of COVID, who's going to help DeAndre Aiden? That's what we're going to be talking about a lot this year, I feel like. No, I mean, you're 100% right. And it, it's say, seeing in those moments, because again, this is, a, this is a marathon, not a sprint. For, God, I'm looking at me on YouTube. I look so bad, dude. No, you're I fine. You're clearing up a little bit. It's, it's no. clearing up a little bit, man. No, I'm, dude, it looks so bad. <laughs> So it's good just say I'm, you're iraq or something man I, i'm so sorry uh jamsters who are watching like this is i got a bunch of people in the house right now and it's clearly so what i'm gonna do is i'm just gonna do this all right this looks better okay. <laughs> yeah. but uh but no you're you're absolutely right that this is going to be a, a an interesting spat of the season you know again it is a marathon and it is a an opportunity for numerous members of the phoenix suns to step up and to display some affinity for why they uh, should get those minutes and why they should uh, potentially be, you know, they're, they're being shopped by other teams at this point. You know, you have members of the team like Sticks who are going to get extra minutes right now. And this is an opportunity for him to showcase to the league that he ultimately does belong. So it's like, you know, with... Devin Booker having to carry this team with Chris Paul having to carry this team to your point, who else is going to step up for the uh, Oklahoma city thunder? I feel weird doing that for the Oklahoma, Oklahoma city thunder. Uh, you know, it was Ty Jerome. It was the Ty Jerome revenge game. He was a point shy of his career high. He ended with, or no, he hit a career high, right? It was a season high points. for sure that I know of. I think 24, uh, career or points is his career high he shot nine for 22 tonight man nine for 22 from ty drone and as you mentioned this is a team that's without shea gilgus alexander i mean they're out they're already a no-name team and now they're a team that uh (laughs) had even less names right yeah and uh yeah he did score um 23 points two times so this is a career high um there, for there him for 24 um i thought later in the game you know ty jerome if you're gonna have ty jerome versus booker towards the end of the game who's gonna win the suns with devin booker but ty jerome looked excellent at times but maybe was just doing too much later in the game because they had a lot of these guys just nailing threes and getting to the rim when they wanted to jerome was doing a good job facilitating and hitting his floaters getting to the rim, being very aggressive. But at times it seemed like it was too much. Like he was trying to take over the game for the Thunder mm-hmm. and towards the five-minute mark. It was like, okay, are you going to give your other guys on the team a chance? They kind of like held 
their own against the Suns all night long. And then it just seemed like Ty Jerome possession after possession was just trying to get his against the Suns. And I didn't like that. I mean, of course I liked it because the Suns won the game eventually. And like I said, if you're going to go to Ty Jerome for Devin Booker, Devin Booker's going to win 10 out of 10 times. Mm-hmm. I just I just think they kind of screwed his own team tonight in a way to where to keep the lead closer to the five or six point mark. And then all of a sudden the Suns at the five minute mark, they're up by 10, they're up by 12. And it just kind of goes into the abyss for the Oklahoma City Thunder where they, they can't come back from it. And I think it, I I want to put it on Ty Jerome a little bit. I don't know if you saw that too. I just I kind of thought I, without that a doubt, the game. without a doubt. Well, again, revenge game, right? Like he's yeah. obviously, as you mentioned, you know, a little. How dare they trade me to to the Thunder for Chris Paul? And obviously, we're being facetious. Obviously, he is. You know, the fact that his name will be ever linked to Chris Paul for being traded for him at one point is something he'll be telling his grandkids about. Like, let's not joke ourselves mm-hmm. on that. But he definitely knew that this was a game in which he could cook. It's a game that he was going to be permitted without consequence, an opportunity to try to score as many points as he wanted to. And, you know, as I mentioned, nine uh, field goal makes on 22 attempts. That's the most that uh, for anybody on his team. And to your point, he really looked bad in that fourth quarter because he was forcing it. Cause essentially what worked for the first three quarters of the game for Ty Jerome was his first move. He would fake left, go right, and for every for some reason, every time, everybody who was on him, whether it was uh, Chris Paul or Mikhail Bridges or Cam Johnson, they fell for it, and he was getting to the lane at will. But come the fourth quarter, the defense tightened up a little bit, and Ty Jerome went two for eight in that fourth quarter. He was trying yeah. to hero ball his team to a victory against his former team, and it while that was occurring... On the other side of it, the Suns put together a solid quarter in that fourth, uh, outscoring the Oklahoma City Thunder by a score of 30 to 16 and, you know, shooting 47.8% from the field, whereas the Thunder shot 19.2% in the fourth. You know, that's kind of the story of the game. So when you look at that final score, that's right below me. uh, That's not pixelated. uh, Suns 115, (laughs) Thunder 97. You're like, oh, Suns smoked them. But they really didn't smoke them because through three quarters, it was very much a game. It was two teams that were definitely uh, hampered by all the COVID protocols and all that's, you know, BS that's kind of going on around the league to where, mm-hmm. you know, when you look back at this stretch of the season, you're not, there's nothing you can take away from any games that started pretty much the second week of December. And, and we'll see it'll probably go to about the second week of January because so many teams haven't had the capacity to. Uh, put forth full rosters so you're just in survival mode and we saw that against the Grizzlies for the uh, for the Suns and you know I don't know if you saw that but the final play of that game by John Morant was ruled a travel post game yeah 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 I I think they should get rid of that report I mean it is what it is basically (laughs) I hate using that phrase but it is I mean the game's over so what does that even do well who does that really help I mean it's kind of cool for them to own up but well yeah it'd be great if there was some sense of accountability there's no sense of accountability. It's not like yeah. somebody uh, – oh, here, here, Metal Mike, what was the betting line tonight? I know this because I lost on this. The betting line, the betting line was Suns minus 14.5. Okay. And I bet the Thunder plus 14.5. I thought they'd cover, and they ultimately they lost. Oh, I was like, wow. You know, so I was watching yeah. this at the end. I was like, come on. Like, hit a three there, guys. Like, help me out, you know. Uh, but, no, you're yeah. right. Like, who does it, who does it benefit? You know, th- those post-game reports where they talk about – whether or not a ref made the correct call, uh, 
it's nice to see that, I guess. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, if you're not holding anyone accountable, what's the point of having those, huh? Yeah, it's true. And the more I think about it, because we haven't been on the refs so much this year, where it's just not an, they're not an annoyance as much. I mean, they go through their stretches where they have bad innings of games where they don't call the travel or else they'll call a foul against the Suns when there's not a foul. They don't call eh, all the bullshit we used to put up with. It's very minimum, minimal now. But I just think if you put that stress on the refs, I, this is weird because I don't I'm not really taking the ref side, but the added stress of just the repercussion of like, hey, if you miss this, you're fined or why don't we, we well, have I mean, you come out and you walk accountability around at my job right? around your neck? I know. But what do you do for accountability with the refs, though? Like, what would the what would it be? Just you're you're suspended a game and then we have to get another ref that sucks. I'm just saying I don't know what kind of rule you would make or put in place you know, to implement. And I don't think there's anything you could do to really cash just... fines. I think could work, you know, yeah, I know, but we don't want to know how much they make. Do you know how much a ref makes? I don't, but maybe it's an undisclosed amount, you know, or they get a write up. And if you have three of those blown calls, yeah, you get suspended a yeah, game, which costs yeah. you a game, you know, like yeah. something like that. But again, there has to be some accountability for not getting things cor- correct. And I get it's a very subjective game and, you know, it's happening very fast, but at the same time, like that, that costs the sun's game. Like we will reference that Memphis game yeah. at some point during the season. And if like we don't get into the first overall seed by a game, you could point directly to that game and be like, hey, John Morant traveled at the end of that game. The Suns, you know, with 0.5 seconds left, the Suns should have mm-hmm. won that game. Did you think so. that was a travel though? That I know beforehand I, no. there were some travels, but that yes one I didn't no. think it was a travel. Yes and no. I think that at the time I thought it was a travel, but they hadn't called a travel all night. So again, I'm kind of in that world that Eddie Johnson lives in. Like, I don't know what the fuck a travel is anymore. Yeah, every time right? he mentions it, he's like, "Oh wait, never mind. I actually don't even know what it is." Because he always mentions it. he's like, "Oh wait, I did this last game too." You can just always hear it in his head. Yeah, where he's like, "Okay, this might be a little annoying to the fans listening." So I just he's just um, he admits he doesn't know. No one really knows. No, they don't. They don't. Uh, shout out to Blaze Megatron. He says, how's the internet from the mid-90s, Voida? <laughs> Suns were back then were in transition post-Barkley. Think Manny will work out? <laughs> oh, dude, that's great. That's probably uh, like the comment of the year right there. It is. Well, just, that's what put I'm, a lot of thought into that one. Whenever I'm home, everybody who lives here is on Wi-Fi, and it kills my internet. So uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, like again, it. talking about this game, and, and, and one thing that, you know, kind of putting a bow on you will or if you will on the referee yeah. conversation i saw that justin van dyne was one of the uh the referees for this game do you know do you remember who justin van dyne is he from saved by the bell right no no or is that justin even. vander was that justin vanderbeek vanderbeek sure. was just uh it, it, something vanderbeek but that that was dawson's creek oh okay my bad yeah, uh, Justin right. Justin Van Dyne <laughs> is the guy who double teched uh, Devin Booker in that Laker game last year. Remember, okay. double double teched him in like the third quarter and got ah, him out. I forgot about that. Oh yeah. my god, really? Okay. Yeah, I remember the name because our buddy So yeah. Says Jay is, you know, one of those guys who is just always all over the refs. <laughs> yes. And he, I, re- I'll never forget that name after that happened because he was definitely uh, uh, tweeting at him and every. Yeah every member of the uh, NBA refereeing fraternity and letting them know every time they do everything wrong. And Justin Van Dyne was kind of at the top of his list. Yeah. Blaze. I don't know how you remember Jason Vanderbeek. I remember random shit, man. I remember you. I don't even know. Cause he remembers every name of every ref. I think that um, so says Jay has like, their heads or something on his wall. Just, you know, pictures of them that just X's across their faces every time they upset them. It's, you know, it's it like uh, Ace Ventura. It's, you know, uh, wow, what's the kicker's name in Ace Ventura? 
you suck oh, at these things, so you won't know the answer. I um, suck. I suck at what things? That just remembering anything? Uh, anything pop culture related? <laughs> it's just not your forte. Uh, oh, it's not. Okay. We don't uh, like the same see. kind of movies, but yeah. Yeah, I mean Ace Ventura. Come on. Uh, what's the name? Ray Finkel. I don't remember. When you go Is to Ray Finkel? Finkel's house and he's got all the damn Marino shit and all the X's out, that's that's so says Jay's layer, but it's all NBA refs. <laughs> There, yeah, there so. you go. Okay, <laughs> I, I did forget about that. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Uh, Devin Booker tonight, 38 points on 12 of 24 shooting, including 6 for 12 from deep. Uh, and he fine, finally hit 10,000 points as a member yeah. of the Phoenix Suns in his career. Uh, he's now 8th all-time on the Phoenix Suns list, but only 5,500 and I think 56 points short of uh the all-time leading son scorer the greyhound walter davis uh does does that number have any significance to you that 10k for devin booker yeah i mean he kind of kept up the uh the pace where he's like the seventh youngest of ten thousand. so i remember like the days when he was kind of like the ty jerome where he was he was killing all game he would just try to win it for his team and it just would not work out for him because the defense would tighten up. And that was always Booker before, always having to score, always having to do everything. And it's so nice for him to be on this team now to where um, he has he has other guys that can help him out. And for him to actually be that humble of a player and his numbers are going down points per game-wise and he still hits a 10,000 as the seventh youngest player in the history of the NBA, that, it's just it's crazy to even think about that that we have that on our team and he's still just so underrated even like on our podcast we don't talk about Devin you're Booker right as much as we we should right i just feel like we kind of ignore him every podcast and here he hits ten thousand. i think this is the longest i've talked about devin booker this year <laughs> like i'm serious like putting sentences next to each other like you know in a paragraph or whatever just constantly talking about him this long but i mean he he had a great game um he ended the half uh was it the half oh, i'm sorry end of the first when the Suns went on 11 0 run, he had his 12th points. So you're like, okay, here we go. First quarter book. It was nice. And then um, the long three off the fast break, Eddie was talking about too, his three point shot. And I think Kevin, uh, KJ, Kevin Ray asked him, like, what's the difference between last year, this year with booking the three? And EJ did say the, the selection really, but I don't know if it's really that because I feel like he's still shooting the same kind of threes. They're just going in. I don't know like why they're like there's a fast break three he had where mm -hmm. it went in. Usually he misses those. And then at the end of the quarter, he had two threes. End of the third quarter, I believe he had two threes. And I was just like, wow, like they're just going in. There's nothing really different about his shot selection, I feel like, this year. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we talked about this a little on the podcast, and you're 100% right in the fact that we don't talk enough about Devin Booker. And it's one of those things where even with CP3, like we're like, hey, man, we really need to take the opportunity to talk about how special C having somebody like CP3 is on this team. But we don't necessarily have that conversation about Devin Booker. And, you know, hearing how, he, how he's hit 10,000 points now and this guy is just going to continue to pour it on. He's going to continue to uh, be the face of this franchise and continue to just grow as an offensive player is really something that we don't talk enough about. And I think that everything that he's done up to this point of his son's career is already put him, you know, there's a reason why, you know, for those of you who can see uh, behind me, you know, my, my whole 
mural that I've made it of the Phoenix Suns and all of their greats. There's a reason Devin Booker's right there, you know, and that's because I'm going to stop the cam. Every time I stop the cam, I just, life's better. But okay. uh, there, very insecure podcast. Oh man, it's just I hate. I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry to all the fucking listeners. Sorry, I'm just listening. <laughs> Shut up and talk about the Suns. Uh, but there's a reason I put him on there. It's because he has already displayed at such a young age, as Joshua Josh seventy seven says in the chat. Booker's only twenty five. It's crazy. Oh my! It's crazy how fan. I mean, ten thousand. He's crazy. He's the what the fifth youngest player to get ten thousand points, and he's in our own backyard. Seventh, and yeah. It, and again, you know, it's like we don't talk about him enough. And on a night like tonight, a night in which the Phoenix Suns are without so many of their guns and so many of their players. Uh, who pro- who provide points? You know, De- DeAndre is your second leading scorer. Uh, Jay Crowder is another you know top five scorer. Uh, Alfred Payton is there. So with those guys out, you need somebody to step up, and it's Devin Booker with with thirty eight points, and he wanted that forty one. You see that last three he took? Oh, he wanted that one. Uh, I might have missed the last three. He took a three every time the games are ending. I'm like getting set up, so I uh, no, I didn't see it. Sorry. Well, it's, I mean, he took a three and he wanted that 41. And then right after that, Oklahoma City got the rebound. He fouled so all the reserves could come in. I mean, that was kind of like the last shot for him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 40 for him, huh? You know, he's always just like, just shy. I know one game I was like, he scored 37, but he only had 30 that game, but he can't hit 40 this year. It's it's tough. Yeah, I know. He, he has he hasn't hit it. It's and again, it's it's not necessarily always needed. So on a night when it was needed, it would have been nice to see that forty one in the box score. Uh, but at the same yeah. time, like Suns win by eighteen. So I mean, there's only so much you can truly bitch about. But you know, fantastic showing for Devin Booker again. And as you mentioned, coming out in that first quarter and just setting the tone is something that you you really needed from him. And, and unfortunately, you know, he was kind of the only guy who could hit jumpers. And for some reason. And I, I don't understand why the Suns were allowing OKC to get to the rim rather than forcing jumpers uh, that entire first half. I mean, it felt like a layup line for the Oklahoma City Thunder in that first half to to the point where 34 of the 51 first half points by the Oklahoma City Thunder occurred in the paint. And that's 66 percent of their points. And that's why, in, in my personal and humble opinion, that's why D.A. is not as replaceable as some people think. Some people think, you know, Bill Simmons is one of the ones. He's always like, well, you can always pay a center $5 million a year and you're good down low. But you know what? JaVale McGee's a pretty good defensive center. And yeah. even he was getting caught to the point where he was allowing a lot of those layups, a lot of them to Ty Jerome, a lot of them to Aaron Wiggins, who, uh, you know, might be a nomination for the Jack Taylor Award tonight because, yeah. you know, I see A. Wiggins in the box score. I'm like, hold on. Is there a trade? You know, did Andrew? I Wiggins thought the same get, thing. You know? I thought the I'm same like, thing too. Like, I'm like, I know the COVID's hitting the league pretty hard, but Andrew Wiggins <laughs> getting traded to the fucking Thunder. What did, did I swap the teams just for a yeah, game? Seriously, <laughs> you know. But it's just what what it is. It's so so many times, you know, we don't give Da enough credit for the shot deterrence that he provides at the rim because he does it with such consistency, in my opinion. And you can see it from his fellow players, Bridges, Chris Paul. Cam Johnson, Devin Booker, they were all cheating tonight. They were cheating, trying to jump those first steps from the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder would fake to the left, go to the right. And because D.A. wasn't back there to necessarily have their back, the the layup line began. 
And yes, uh, I see that. Let's see. Uh, uh, you know, McGee is also a good rim protector. He is, but he wasn't tonight because he had to stay home on his guy. He doesn't have the lateral quickness that DA can do and has uh, to not only provide shot deterrence, but to stay grounded. Because JaVale McGee, I noticed a lot tonight, was getting caught up in the air, which, I mean, Tyler Jerome would just go to the rim, fake like he's going for a layup. McGee would go in the air, he'd spin and just lay it in every time. Yeah, it was, uh, well, McGee, he had the two blocks, but it was towards the end of the game where he actually picked up the intensity a little bit, I thought. But, mm-hmm. I mean, when you're when you're worried about getting in foul trouble, too, I think that was the thing last game where he got in foul trouble, and he's been doing that kind of uh, around when DA's been out, he's been getting into foul trouble. Then Cameron Johnson got the three early fouls in seven minutes. So maybe that has something to do with it a little bit. But, yeah, you're right. He can't really rotate like a DeAndre Ayton, and that's what makes him so special. It's like when Booker was out and Shamit came in to replace mm-hmm. him, and Shamit's trying to get those mid-range shots off the dribble. And it looks just so funky and weird, and just he's clanking him off the rim. And you look at book doing it, it's just so easy. I got a whole thing on Shamit tonight, so we'll we'll talk about. Oh, do you? Okay, yeah, oh, cool. Yeah. And then uh, just to relate to what McGee's trying to do to pick up DeAndre in slack, it, it's really tough for him. And I really think that you have to rely on Cameron Johnson, who was still getting beat too. He gave up. I don't know if he gave up two and ones, but he gave up one and one. But if, to start the game, everyone was blown by him too. So there wasn't really help anywhere. And that's just something that you have to worry about when DA is out. But I I like that. um, I don't know. I like that McGee does pick up the energy when it's needed. I think he kept it just, he kept it to himself to kind of like stay out of foul trouble. And he's like, okay, if I can stay out of foul trouble, then I can help this team in the end. I think he did on a few blocks towards the end of the game. And just he contested some shots because these the young guys on that OKC team were kind of using the rim against him too, to where they would kind of draw him and do the reverse layup or use the rim against McGee, so they couldn't he couldn't get the block. So they were just trying to figure out ways to get to the get to the rim, and then the three point shot wasn't falling from them early either. I think they were zero for six to start or zero for seven. So it just they were kind of in you know a limbo there. OKC and this for some reason attacking the rim, they're just like oh. This is easy. <laughs> Let's yeah, just keep doing like it. No one was and, stopping them, so why yeah, not keep doing it? Exactly. So, I mean, good on them for doing that. It's just, I think the Suns, they have to give something up. Something has to give for the Suns in these games when DeAndre is out, and that's just going to be the one thing till he comes back. So we just have to put up with it and figure out how to win these games otherwise. Well, and again, a lot of it comes from uh, playing minutes together, right? I mean, one of the reasons, and we saw this early in the season last year, in which DeAndre Ayton was kind of learning how he could best assist his guards and his forwards ahead of him on the court uh, by knowing which way they're going to dish their defenders ultimately, right? I mean, Chris Paul, if he's got a a right-handed offensive player on him, there's going to be moments where he knows that he has an opportunity to go for a steal, so he's going to go at the left hand. But if that occurs and he misses, you know, DA, who's playing essentially the linebacker in the back, reading the plays that's coming, he knows where he can be while still covering his guy to avoid any kind of, uh, you know, bounce pass or lob and still create shot deterrence. And that comes just from sheer putting minutes together. And when you're getting these funky lineups, you're not going to get any of that consistency that you're used to. You're, you're not, you know, uh, uh, JaVale McGee isn't used to playing minutes with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges, right? He's used to playing those minutes with campaign Cam Johnson. So he's not necessarily instinctively knowing exactly where he needs to be from a defensive standpoint to maximize his effectiveness as a shot deterring player and a rim protector, both of 
things that he are things that he does well. It was just interesting to see how the Suns for the first for the entire first half just didn't necessarily adjust to the fact that the Oklahoma City Thunder, as you mentioned, were over six from deep to start the game, couldn't make any of their jump shots. So they became a one trick pony and the Suns allowed them to do so. And that's what happens when Monty Williams is out with COVID and uh, you got God, what's the name of the guy who's who was the. Uh, oh, something young, because they, they said his name was KY. That was his uh, Kevin Young, the, the guy who was coaching for the Suns, the assistant coach. KY is his nickname, which is a horrible nickname to have, by the way. I wouldn't ever want yeah, anyone to call me KY. No, I mean, the first the first thing I thought of when he said that. Yeah, with some anal lube, right? So I would hate to be known as an anal lube. As oh, is that what it's used for? Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> Evan Young, KY, thank you, Sonia, in the chat to verify yeah. that I did that. Uh, but again, you know, I think that, you know, you look at how they adjusted, to your point, they saved up in JaVale primarily. I think that was probably the one thing that KY was telling him was like, listen, don't get into foul trouble early. We're going to need you late. And it was Cameron Johnson, unfortunately, who was getting into to foul trouble. Uh, ultimately, at the end of this game, he played 23 minutes, 12 points on two of five from deep, five for 10 from the field, six rebounds, one assist. But I kind of felt like I was robbed. You know, I think that with these games with Jay Crowder out, the one, the one thing that gets me really excited is seeing Cameron Johnson uh, because I, I see him with the first team unit, albeit without DeAndre Ayton. And I just feel like because of the ca- the foul trouble that occurred in that first half, we didn't get to see a full on fantastic Cameron Johnson performance. And for that, I feel robbed, Matthew. I feel robbed yeah, inside. You definitely should. But he uh, he had the three go down later in the game. And Eddie even pro- brought up that the one three he had that just rolled around the rim. Like it's soft touch. It's it's pretty insane. Yeah, yeah, guy yeah. has that nice to touch from three. Um, but every moment he has on the court where he does something different, kind of, kind of not unusual, but it's just something that really catches your eye. Maybe it's a new kind of shot. He's just hitting it from a different angle or he's just shooting it from a different spot on the floor. It's always just something that's like, Oh, right. Here we go. Cause he has so much. What's so funny. Are you I'm just thinking like, he, no, I'm I know he's, he's hitting it from a different angle. He's, he's hitting it from a different angle, and that's where KY comes in. Oh, okay. Here we go. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Carry no, on, it's carry fine. On. I, I didn't even <laughs> I didn't <laughs> think of it that way. Usually, I catch myself on those things. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I was just saying that everything does on the court, and even, like, my friend who went to the game tonight, I'm sure he'll tell me tomorrow at work, like, hey, like, hit him up close in person because I think he had row eight tonight for the game. Oh, damn. Nice. And, like, I, I sat, like, row 15 when I went to go see him this year against the – I forget who they were playing, uh, the Hawks. And yeah, I, Hawks. he just stands out. And I bet you that's the first name that he's going to talk about tomorrow is Cameron Johnson because he does stand out. He's just – he's a big mother effer, dude. Yeah. And he's doing all these things that, like, guards can do. And it's just – he's developing so fast now, I feel like, this season, more than I think people even thought. Yeah, and again, you know, you don't necessarily realize how big he is relative to his size, and then you couple that with the athleticism and the ease of his shot. And I mean, he is just a a very exciting player to watch, and that's why I felt robbed tonight. I was really looking forward to Cam Johnson minutes and seeing how he would play. But again, somebody had to get those fouls essentially, and I think that I guess so. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it was him. So uh, let's see, who did I want to talk? Oh, I want to talk about our boy right here. Where is it? God, I got so many drops. Oh. The Warden. The Warden. Mikhail Bridges ends the night uh, two for six from the field with five points. Now, he had seven rebounds. He had two assists. He had a steal. Uh, but as 
you know, some of the jamsters are noticing in the chat, you know, it's like, why are we not seeing more of Cameron Johnson? You know, Freddie me Ramon uh, via Facebook says need to run more sets for bridges. $90 million player needs to step up and score when others are out. Cam Johnson, not scared, you know, so Cam Cam's, going at it when, you know, in the minutes he's provided. And you can't tell me that this is a night where Mikhail Bridges is locked in on the defensive end. Uh, I was kind of disappointed with Mikhail Bridges tonight. I didn't see his uh, aggression offensively. I don't think, and you know, this is something we've definitely talked about before on the podcast, but you know, yeah. on these, these are the opportunities for him to really kind of step up and ultimately earn that contract. Right. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that because he got paid, you know he's going to be lax because that's not Mikael Bridges. We we know from just watching him that basically he's going to try every night, give it his all, and he takes a lot of pride into his defense and offensively. He was developing into something, and it just kind of went away. I was so towards the end of the game, Emmanuel Terry was in, and he was yes. trying to put the he was trying he was by the rim trying to put it in. I couldn't see the hair because he has like the longer dreads. Yes. So for some reason, the way he was moving, I thought that was Mikael down there. And I'm like, come on, Mikhail, get the ball in the hoop. And I'm like, oh my God, that's not Mikhail. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is it getting to this point where I just offensively, where where is he? He's just he's completely gone. And I know the confidence from Cameron Johnson, that's fine. But Mikhail had that. So I'm just thinking there's something else going on where behind the scenes, something. I don't know. There there might be a report where something else is broken on him. Because when he gets up from the floor, you ever notice when McKill falls on the floor and he tries to get up? It takes the dude forever because he is so long. But it takes him a while whenever he gets knocked down. So I don't know if something's bothering him in his knees or something. Because something is just off with him. I swear, like, the beginning of the year, the way he played, how everyone wants his jersey. There's always times where he's the best son. He's the favorite son. Everyone wants his jersey. Like, where does that go? What happens? You know, and we're fine. We're going to win games without him playing great offensively. Of That's fine. We did tonight by 18. <laughs> I mean, we win a lot of games without him playing great or even good from offense on the offensive side. So I'm not saying that it has to be every night, but there's just something going on, man, because he's he's missing a step. He's not. He doesn't have the confidence he wants on the offensive end. The threes are fine. I don't care what percentage he has from three. I'm just going to say this. I don't like him shooting the three that much. I just don't. I Every time he shoots it, Deep down inside, I hate it. I'm just going to throw it out there. Wow. I hate it so much. I don't care what percentage he shoots. I like him doing other things on the court offensively, and then you can shoot the three after. That's fine. But I just think he helps the offensive so much whenever he can actually get to the rim, have the floater. I mean, he's, he did a little bit tonight, and he missed a few of them. But mm -hmm. I just need more of that from him. I like that McHale more than the three-point McHale. And I know three points is more, but I just like the other. Oh, I hear you. You know, and he's shooting thirty nine point one percent entering this game, so I guess it's not as bad as it might feel like is at time. Uh, Blaze Megatron, one of our elite jamsters in the chat. Again, if you want to become an elite jamster, simply click the join button on YouTube or follow the link in the description. But he said his back might be a bit injured, and it takes forever to get up when you have a bad back. And what you're mentioning from a body language standpoint, like that could be true. When you say he's, he's a little bit slow getting up, look a little lackadaisical in doing so, like that's what happens when you have a bad back. You know, uh, the the big warthog, great name, says he hasn't been really right good. since the pinky dislocation. And that's kind of yeah. correct, too. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's really, mm. uh, you know, you're trying to figure out exactly what the the what is preventing Mikhail Bridges from maximizing his offensive uh, potential. 
because it's definitely yeah. there. We see it. And, and nights like tonight, you know, again, we win by 18, so it's not the end of the world, but you would like to see a little bit more from McHale on the offensive end. He wasn't a lockdown defender, in my personal opinion. As we mentioned, he was being beat consistently as the Oklahoma City Thunders were running layup lines at the rim. So, you know, kind of what's going on, Mikhail? Are, is it, are you just a little tired right now? You're a little banged up, mm-hmm. which is which is okay. You know, I just we'll never know when you're paying when you're paying a guy 90 million dollars a year. And I look at it like this, too. Just because you're paying a guy $90 million a year doesn't mean he needs to be a consistent offensive threat. We need him to be a fantastic defensive threat. As uh, Benjamin Schindel says in the chat, he still leads the Suns in war, which is a, a advanced metric, but you know wins above replacement. He's He is somebody who is consistently uh, playing well on the defensive end to the point where, yeah, he's into the, not only defensive all team, or first or the all defensive team, first mm-hmm. team consideration, he's defensive player of the year consideration. So yeah. I'm not yeah. taking anything away from him. It's just in games like this, I would like to see a little bit more from him. Another guy who I'd like to see just a little bit more from, not just in this game is fucking any game. All I can say is Sam. Wow. Piece of shit. <laughs> he is, he is he's, man. Let it, he's bugging you know, me, man. Before with Mikhail, my face got a little red. I, I kind of got a little bit too into it. You know, church boy, Matthew Lissy over here got a little too <laughs> into it. I just had to let it go about the three, but yeah, let's now it's your turn with Shamit because I I can feel your uh, blood boil from over well, here. Well, Freddie Freddie Ramon, re, me, I'm sorry, Freddie re, me Ramon from Facebook says Sam shit. Oh, <laughs> you know? See, I don't like the name calling. I can't. Yeah, that. I know you don't. You're, you 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 take sorry. everything so personal with you. It's it's just a, it's called sports, and we're All not right. to talk some shit about it. That's, That's why true. we have a podcast. Okay, so uh, right. yeah, I'm frustrated. With as Co JJM says, Landry Shameless. Uh, it's just a lack of consistency that we've seen f- from him throughout the season, but most notably during these this time frame when he really has an opportunity to shine. Now, granted, okay, he had those seven games earlier in the season when Devin Booker was out and he was getting all the starts, right? And yeah. if you look, if if you look at how he performed in those games compared to uh, what's coming off the bench. You know, he he was doing all right. He was doing well enough, in my personal opinion. Okay. If you look at his starting splits, uh, I can't even pull them up right now. Let's see. I had them, and then my computer clearly. Okay, so uh, 10.4 points per game in those starts. As a reserve, he's only averaging 6.9. Uh, 41% from three when he was a starter. So the rhythm helped him. 35.4% as a reserve in the 25 games leading into this game as a reserve. And then tonight, once again, you know, Landry Shamit, three for 10, one for seven from three-point land, seven total points. And I'm starting to hit that point where we're 34 games into the season, Matthew. It's not like this is a small sample size of Landry Shamit you know, through the first 10, even 20 games, being like, you know what? At some point, he's going to pick it up. And, and don't get me wrong. May, maybe he will pick it up at some point. But I'm starting to see this consistent short-arming, fast release, not set release. He leans into shots, as we've talked about. So he doesn't, you know, the reason why Devin Booker looks so great chucking threes this year is he's set every time. Cameron Johnson, it's like this perfect shooting motion. And I always feel like Landry Shamit's like jumping towards the basket, trying to push it in like it's a floater, but he's doing it from from you know 30 feet and i'm getting to that point where it's like okay i'm frustrated i'm frustrated with the contract this guy got paid a ton of money before he ever put on a son's uniform 
and I've stated it before, and I'll stand by it. He's somebody who that contract is a great asset because it's a highly tradable contract where that you can use in an effort to gain somebody bigger. So if you take a Jalen Smith plus a Landry uh, Landry Shamick type of contract, you know yeah. you can get a sixteen million dollar a year player. That's much more of an upgrade. But man, I just I I'm not <laughs> seeing his consistency, and it's frustrating the living dog shit out of me. I'm 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 totally with you, and we're so deep into the season now where you want to see the consistency you're talking about, and you bring up like the percentage, like he shot forty one percent starting, uh, whatever thirty seven percent, whatever um, from the bench. But I feel like everyone now is shooting at least that from three in the NBA. I know before when we first started the podcast, yep. I used to talk about you shoot forty percent or more from three. That's you. That's a good percentage. But now I just feel like from the games we're just watching, we watch every game obviously. And we just see the inconsistency. And when you bring up like the 41% from three when he started out, I'm like, I would have never guessed that. I would have guessed like 30% or something. Because everything else that like he puts out there on the floor, it's not negative, but it's just it's something where he's just not sure of himself. And I wanted to ask you too, like, do you think he's I don't know who would replace his minutes, but do you think in the back of his mind he's thinking, like, they paid me, I have to earn these minutes. Am I gonna lose these minutes now because of the way I'm playing? And no, I mean, I just I don't think I mean, you can't know because right? because Monty is one of those guys who says, hey, you're a shooter. You need to shoot. Keep shooting. So yeah. he's given the green light at all times. And I think it's almost to the point where it's just like maybe this just is who he is. He's a guy who's consistently inconsistent. And that's why he's consistently throughout his short career. He's only been in the league for four years. But he's bounced around a bunch because on paper, at the end of the day, as you mentioned, you look at his statistics and you're like, okay, Landersham, it's not horrible. You know, looking at this year, what's what's he shooting from from uh, from deep? Let's see here. Uh, 40 or I'm sorry, 36.7%. It's not horrible, right? But as you mentioned, like if you want to be an effective three-point shooter and your whole game, your whole bag, bag of tricks is shooting threes, like you got to be a 40, 42% knockdown shooter. He's shooting 37%. That's what his identity is supposed to be. That's what we were sold on what he was going to be, was the guy who's going to come in off the bench, supply consistent offense, and knock down threes like Cam Johnson has done. I mean, he's not coming close to reaching that potential. So overall, you know, he's averaging 7.7 points a game, man. And we're paying this guy, what, $10 million a year? No, I know. And there's something where I want to see come out of him. It's like an FU, like – he has to come out yes. and just start owning it. But I don't know if I want that either because I think that's too much. But like the missed dunk tonight where he, I think he got fouled on it, but he was yes. wide open to the lane. How do you not flush that? And he had a breakaway dunk, I think, two games in a row already off of a steal, which is fine. That's great. But th- you have to finish that dunk. You have to have the FU in you. You can't have yes. that look. He just has that look where he's walking back defensively or if if he misses a shot, he's running back. But he just has that look where it's just like, shit, like, why did I miss that? What is good? Like, he's just in his head. He's like Cameron Payne. Look, good game from him tonight. But Cameron Payne, just like in his head, like these two guys, they have to get out of their head. They have to relax. They just have to go out there and yes. catch and shoot, do the things that you're good at. And eventually it'll come through. Like you said, Monty's just, you know, he's going to get these minutes. There's no one else to replace him. Just keep shooting. That's, oh, beautiful. Oh my God. Is that an angel? What is that? <laughs> Oh, Chan just came back on the screen. Oh, slowly, geez. my reception. Stop me will... mid-sentence. Yeah, there it goes. There goes my oh, yeah, reception. Anyways, but yeah, anyways. He needs to figure it out because I think it's it's too deep into the season to really be like, oh, he'll he'll catch on. We're already this far into the season. He needs to figure something out, man. 
Yeah, our, our buddy Greg Esposito from the PHNX uh, podcast. Great content over there as well. He's got a great point. Sham needs a little campaign edge. You know, and campaign needs to settle down a little bit because campaign's got too yeah, much. Yeah, share edge. some of that. Yeah, share too much. Some of that. I was going to bring that up tonight too. Yeah. That combo of champagne needs to be a little bit more level. That it's peaked all wrong. You know, it's like somebody who's tuning yeah. a guitar and they can't get everything peaked in correctly, and you know the the trebles too much, and there's a little too much bass going on with the band. It's like it's like uh, Paul and John sitting around. You know, get back, get back to where you once belonged. But uh, no, it's you a good brother. It's a, there is one guy who I thought played again pretty pretty fantastic tonight. Stitch report. Our buddy Jalen Smith ended the evening with how many rebounds did he end up with? He was fucking yeah, 14, killing it. 14, 14. five offensive. Five offensive, 11 points, four for seven from the field, only 0 for one from deep, Matthew, which I like to see. Uh, I really <laughs> enjoy, you know, again, Bridges is somebody we just talked about. Obviously, he is uh, your defensive stalwart. He's somebody who is going to be on the all-defensive team for the year. Uh, and we're saying, hey, this is an opportunity to really excel your offensive game, right? Because the minutes are there. Sticks is somebody who is like, hey, this is your opportunity to just get get meaningful minutes. And in two consecutive games now, he has really showcased an affinity for crashing the boards, for knowing his role within the confines of the offense and executing accordingly. And I really, really have enjoyed watching him play. Uh, I think that, you know, Eddie Johnson nailed it on the broadcast. He's like, listen, Sticks doesn't need to be shooting the ball. He needs to be your mop up man. Devin Booker needs to be like, hey, go down there, and every time that uh, uh, I miss, you mop it up. And I think that he's yeah. been doing a good job of that. He's been doing really, really good. Like, I'm very, very impressed by Sticks. Um, that yeah, was funny that that time in the game where it's like, no, yeah, just go get the rebound, man, because that's what he's good at. And yeah, oh for one from three. I'm, sh- I knew you'd be happy about that. I still like him shooting the three. It's fine. I'm okay but- with it. But not shooting yeah. like seven or eight. He's like a shoot three a game kind yeah. of guy. Just yeah, to three kind max. of draw. I'm the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, draw the defense level, away man. from the interior. Yeah. We'll edit that out. Okay, what was that? Edit what out? I'm just kidding. What we happened? can't edit anything out. <laughs> okay, so yeah. So I just feel like in the beginning of the game too, Sticks has even last game, he was finding ways to like get behind the defense in a way for like cutting, getting to the rim and the Suns like kind of miss him. I'm like, oh my gosh, this reminds me of kind of like DA a little bit. Yes. In the beginning. Like last year where it's like DA would be missed so many times when he would slip behind the defense and, you know, just be open underneath the basket and Sticks does do that. So I think the Suns need to figure out a way, especially when DA is out to hit him on those little rolls because he's he's open a few times to the basket and see how he handles that. I know it's probably things that they try to practice with him, but in-game situations, and maybe they're not used to it. Maybe they're just used to him standing over there by three or just getting in a big group of guys down there underneath the basket. But there's there's different times in the game where he is open, but he's been great, even his blocks. Like, he has the you FU block that he That's had on, on. That's what on, yeah, seriously. Just was that Ty Jerome? Ty Jerome where he, he like he blocked it with mm-hmm. his elbow. He got up so high. That yeah, he got. I think he jumped over Chris Paul for that one, didn't he? 
like so. he, he yeah just, he like, was through like, people that's I just, what, that's what you need man that aggressiveness and, and, and i i absolutely yes i love the aggressiveness i love him not shooting a ton of threes i love him grabbing those rebounds and again i like just the statistical point of view on this right because even from a statistical point of view he's upping his value as a potential trade asset because the casual fan now the guys who don't oh. watch the phoenix suns if they are taking a look at trade assets and it's you know it's rumored that the Phoenix Suns are trading Jalen Smith to the San Antonio Spurs for Thad Young, which as I said on the last podcast, I'm officially against that. I like I, I don't want Thad Young anymore. Uh, I think that it's easier to sell when you just casually look at the statistics. You're like, yeah, well, look, he's putting yeah. up like 11 and 15 or 11 14, whatever it is. You know, so it's you know he's yes, as Fabio says, stick stonks are rising up. With his, he's taking these opportunities and he's putting some good things on film that's that are going to allow the Suns to a trade him or b develop him into the proper asset. Maybe he could eventually be somebody who consistently can uh, contributes to this team. So uh, another positive game from Jalen Smith. It's nice to see. Uh, you know, is is he where we want him to be? Probably not, but still, the fact that he's yeah. at least putting that those good efforts on film is nothing but beneficial for both him and the Phoenix Suns, right? Yeah, just really quick too. Um, if if he's playing this way every game, you know, when DA is out, if he's putting up these numbers, just aggressiveness and a good attitude out there, like, is this something where it, it reaches a level of, it goes from Thad Young to like a guy like, I'm not saying I want Sabonis, even though I kind of do, like a Sabonis, <laughs> like you could throw into one of those kind of trades. You think that it rises up that much? I mean, an all-star pot- type player. I'm not saying I'm not saying Sticks is a is an all-star, but these no, teams no, are but, trying but, to. But he could be a piece of the puzzle that brings an all-star here. Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Which I exactly, agree. Yeah. yeah, when he puts forth performances like this, to, and and again, statistical performance like this, it ups his value across the board. And if we were to go for a Demontis Sabonis, which I know that you're a little bit more higher on, I am. I'm just very <laughs> yeah. anti. Again, I think DeMontis Sabonis three years ago for the Suns makes sense. I don't think it makes sense with this current team and this current roster. Uh, The chemistry is too tight with this team that bringing someone in like Sabonis could potentially upheave that, and we could see a lot of adjustment time that could cost the Suns quite a few uh, games and move them around in the standings. But to your point, maybe around the trade deadline, maybe going into the offseason when we're looking at the 2022-23 Phoenix Suns. Yes, he becomes somebody who potentially could be a trade asset uh, for that bigger puzzle piece, if you will. He could be, you know, one of three puzzle pieces that brings in one big puzzle piece. Yeah, I agree. Jam star of the game. I thought you were done, man. I thought you um, were done. No, I thought I was done too. I was going to say. Um, Good game sticks. Now we want to trade you. So that's there, how yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. right. That's exactly right. That's all I've been waiting for all season. Like, <laughs> so get some of these, yeah. That's get some of these good games so we can trade his ass. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> that uh, Sony Lovato asked when's the deadline for trade? Oh, mid February. Just kidding. It's mid February. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, Jamsters, let us know in the chat who your jam star of the game. And this is a reminder while you're here, hit the thumbs up button. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review. Give us a five star Apple review and give us five stars on Spotify as well. So, uh, Matthew, who are you going to give? I think it's pretty easy for us. Yeah. It's Dev Booker tonight, right? Big Dick Booker. Oh, yeah. Showed up, showed out, was swinging that thing all over the court tonight. 38 points for the big guy. Uh, is is there anything else we need to say about him? No, I. we should only see Book in the chat. And honestly, a bunch of eggplants. That's about it. 
Just those two things. Nothing else necessary. Maybe uh, some maybe some Dario Sarich because someone brought him up already. So, <laughs> well, you got one that says Emmanuel Terry from Fabio, uh, and and Water I thought Lieber that was says Emmanuel Terry one minute four rebounds. Dude was having fun on the bench. Yeah, the only reason he had four rebounds because he missed four shots. <laughs> he yeah, he missed. Rebounds. He just kept throwing it at the rim, like get in there. It up to himself. But yeah, kind of across the board from the Jamsters, it is mm. Booker, uh, BDB, Big Dick Book from Freddie Me Ramon. You know, just across the board, it's definitely uh, a fantastic evening for Devin Booker. And again, the fact that he has really developed that three point shot is just it makes him such an interesting player moving forward. Like he is goddamn unguardable because that's the one thing he was missing in his bag of tricks was just a consistent three point shot. You know, and entering this evening, he was shooting 42.2 percent and he went 50 percent on six to 12. So that's just going to bump up even more. I mean, that's just ridiculous what he's doing this season. this is like um we talked about a few losses where we just need someone to step up and win it like book just won this game for us this is his game tonight and uh Ke- yeah kevin young there you go ky jelly yeah, K- K- ky we, jelly yeah give him the ball to book that's all you have to do <laughs> yeah seriously it's really hard to 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 r- drop those plays if you will so uh let's see up next for the phoenix suns we are playing on new year's eve I believe. What time is that game? Is it one o'clock? I think time? it's one or one or two. Let Double check on that. That sucks because that's right in the middle of the college football playoff games. Is it? Does it start that early? Yeah, the, the first, first one game I think is at one, and, the, at one. Yeah. and then the second one's uh, the the Georgia Michigan game is uh, like it's four or five or six or something. Okay. But let's yeah. see. Looking it up. I don't watch quick. college football anyways. So. I, I'll watch that for sure. Uh, it says eleven a.m. Is that right? Eleven a.m. F- oh, you F- know what? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Perfect. That so, perfect. Uh, we're, there you go. The Suns will be at Boston at the TD Garden, a place I uh, I visited yeah. a little bit earlier this did, season. Yeah. Um, what are you looking for in this game? Do you think – because, again, I'm not 100% about – or uh, have the knowledge on these protocols because I feel like they're changing all the time now relative to COVID and mm-hmm. Omicron. Uh, like, will we ha- – I don't think we'll have – Nobody will be back, right? I don't. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to look at the last box score from Boston. I know they lost with the last two games, but or three games. I'm like going back. Did you see the um, Lakers lost tonight again? Did they lose again? Yeah, John oh, Morant had a huge fourth quarter and and came back and beat them. And just, Hell yeah, there you go, I John. Love it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I love it. No, it's nice because you lose that team and then Jaw does it again the next night to the Lakers, so it makes exactly. up for it a little bit, right? Yeah, um, just, I don't know who's out, man. Bit. Well, the Boston Celtics, uh, 16 and 18, ninth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, this is what I'm reading off of basketball reference right now. We've got Bruno Fernando out with health safety protocols. Enos Freedom out with health and safety protocols. Justin Jackson, uh, CJ Miles, Aaron Nesmith, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, um, who was out a couple days ago. Sam Hauser. I mean, they're the same thing. It's like every team really? in the NBA right now, man. It's yeah. just a big... You know, my work too. Yeah, my work. Everyone. Well, there's one lady that had it, so everyone's gonna get it now. Um. Anyways, I, <laughs> I yeah. just that's that's insane. Like, how do you even go into this game even expect knowing what to expect? You know what I mean? You don't. I can't predict it. I can't sit here and give you any you know good uh, analysis on Analyses? it. I don't know what to expect. Yeah, I, I just I yeah. don't know what to expect. So, you know, I guess on on that note, we'll just bring up a different segment. Thoughts. Um, brains? 
two things I want to bring up. Uh, yeah. Both not great topics, but, you know, things to talk about. Uh, the first one, Ricky Rubio. I don't know if you saw, but he tore his ACL last yeah. night. Uh, fucking sucks, man. It's just, you know, obviously we were, we were Rubio fans before he even came to Phoenix. And once we came here, you and I kind of, we had a very awkward jumping up in the air high five where we half missed it. And, you know, it was just like, sweet. We finally have a point guard. And everything that's happened to the Phoenix Suns over these past two seasons directly is a cause of Ricky Rubio and the, the what he did, the class in which he did it, and then when he got traded, the class in which he was traded. And to see him go down for the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team who everybody all of a sudden is like, oh, this team's good. And I think you and I were at the beginning of the season like, dude, this team's going to be good. Uh, it sucks to see that, man. It does. Between, between like the NBA, every NBA team, when there's a revolution – even in the world, like anything that's going on politically in sports, Ricky Rubio is behind it. He's always yeah. there for, you know what I mean? If there's any, any, anybody turning around a franchise or anything, he started like I, a Cuban uprising in like 1946. He, yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. He, <laughs> he was there for that too. So, uh, I mean, he's just a positive influence on these young guys and it sucks because the ACL thing is just, it just sucks because it, it eventually like happens to everybody. Right. Seems playing like sports it. it just it, it happens at the most random times and it's just you're just i don't know they don't think about it but when it happens like god fuck like why why now especially this year the way he's playing with that team like mm-hmm. ah it's just a bummer i mean rubio is our favorite do we need to play the drop or did you get rid of it no the drop is always there and it's probably the last time we'll play this season so this one's for you ricky Empieza profunda higiene confía en hs para un pelo 100% libre de caspa clínicamente probado HS, shampoo número uno en España. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go, Ricky. <laughs> uh, and then the other one I want to talk about is John Madden passing. I think that was that's oh, really yeah. sad to hear that. Uh, like two days after that Fox special, you know, the all Madden special that they ran, I saw a little bit of it while I was working the other day. Uh, when's the first time you ever remember, like, do you remember John Madden calling football games, him and Pat Summerall? Yeah, yeah, and honestly, it's weird. It's like it's my favorite. I like Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. I do just because. Yeah. Even though sometimes it's just like the lamest announce, like play by play. I don't play. mind. You know, Joe I don't Buck mind that though. For football in baseball, he's annoying as shit to me because yeah, it's, it's, you like, mentioned that baseball before, announcers yeah. are. It's it's a really hard thing to announce. So I that's get difficult. That. So slow. What do you what are you talking about? I mean, A Rod's tried to do it for three years. A Rod's horrible. Sucks. He is just terrible. He's worse than me at the like me doing the podcast. Like he is <laughs> just up. absolute dog shit. But no, John Madden. Yeah, I remember. I mean, it's what gets you into football is that guy. I mean, of course, the video game itself is just uh, revolutionary. Like honestly, I think that I haven't played it in like five or six years. But that's one of the games I played all the time. But I mean, he didn't really have any input on it. But no, he his, did initially, he did initially. initially that's when what he, made it great. Is he? You know, everybody was kind of come up with video games, if you mm-hmm. will non-realistic video games and his whole thing was like listen i want it to be 11 on 11 here's some old playbooks that i used to have you can use these for the game uh because i i know that this is going to help people understand football better and i know for me personally somebody who i didn't play football okay i was a basketball and a baseball player so i I really wasn't into football i loved watching it but i like i was just i'll be honest i was too afraid of getting hit man like i didn't want anybody i don't like people touching me yeah it's like dude you know like that's why you love golf so much you know, it's just, yeah, I, so I, every, every time you hit a, you, you make a putt, I give you a slap on the ass and you give me the look like it's, you know, like uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're like, where's the Kevin Young? 
But Man, I someone that... hugged me at work the other day. It was oh really my god! Awkward. I don't want that. Yeah. I hug everybody at work. I'm so, I'm a hugger, big time. So I stopped by my old job today uh, to say hi and Merry Christmas to some of my old uh, people. And I saw some guests that I know because mm-hmm. I worked there for 14 years, and I saw them. I'm hugging everybody, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like the anti lissy You guys just don't like to be touched ever. I'll hug when I go visit like old friends at work. I would hug them. Yeah, that's different. Not like a hug every day. You know, these people <laughs> hug each other every day. It's like, yeah, no, no that's, that's true. That's, that's true. Gross. Yeah, that that yeah, that's gross and weird. Uh, but do you have a favorite Madden game that you ever played? Um, the one with Mike Vick on the cover. Okay, yes. so this is I I liked Madden up until NBA or NFL 2K came out with 2K5 with Terrell Owens on the front cover. Mm. That was a way better game than any Madden game I've ever played. So after that, I've always wanted to play 2K, and then Madden kind of just I was like, oh, this game's just the same thing every year. So the Michael yeah. Vick one was the best one. Uh, I don't remember what year that was. Yeah, it was but, 04, um, if I remember correctly. I it was, was probably the year before that. Korea when that came out. So, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, no, it I'll was that one. Never for forget sure. that game. Yeah, that game was. I mean, and if you had Mike Vick, so what we used to do in the army is everybody would draw a, a we'd get 32 guys and we'd all draw a name out of a hat or 30 guys, draw all draw a name out of a hat. And that was the team you had to play. And we do these huge tournaments. And that was the game mm-hmm. that we used to play. So that was the one I knew the best. Like I knew every little trick play. Uh, and obviously, whoever got the Atlanta Falcons, like you had a one up on anybody because you had Michael Vick. Uh, but I'm with you. NFL 2K, the ones that first came out before that, actually, the ones with Randy Moss on the beginning, or, or uh, the first ones with Randy Moss on them, those were fucking badass. But then I started to, you know, those kind of faded away. I played Madden. The only reason I've stopped playing as of lately is to your point, like it's the same game recycled over and over again from a uh, playbook standpoint from a graphic standpoint i'm like okay like if i just want to up upgrade the rosters why am i buying the new madden so yeah, exactly and I, I i do too much podcasting to do any uh video game playing so no time uh, for it anymore right sucks no no but as freddie says r.i.p madden friendships brothers and tv screens were changed forever thanks to madden there's no truer statement why my youngest brother to this day he'll still tell you one the one time he beat me at madden it was a huge deal for me if you, if you could ever beat your older brother at a video game you remember that time and i remember it too and i didn't quit on him i played the whole way through because i knew it meant a lot you? To him. you didn't just like pull out his controller or turn the game no off? no because i knew oh, it was gonna like... mean a lot to him Really good. Coach AJ, WWE, yeah, WWE no, mercy. no Mercy. That game was amazing. Yeah, those games were, yeah, those were fun. Yeah, yes. Okay, I just yes. Yeah. So, uh, well, I guess on that note again, RIP Madden, RIP uh, Ricky Rubio's ACL, and RIP, RIP my fucking internet connection. We made it through it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot you have. I'm going to, I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be talking to the missus tomorrow. I'm like, dude, we got to upgrade this now. And I'm just going right. to show her the beginning of the pod. Be like, this is what happens. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. I note, just look at myself, anyways. So. I know you do. And I just look at you too. So it works out. And I just see uh, Mikhail Bridges grinning behind you. So <laughs> uh, on that note, Jamsters, we appreciate you taking the time post an 18 point victory for the Phoenix Suns over the Oklahoma City Thunder and joining the Suns Jam Session podcast to talk about it. His name's Matthew. You can follow him. I'm Matthew Lissy. And my name is John. You can follow me at Darth Boyd. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. Uh, until. New Year's Eve, our last podcast of 2021. Everybody have a fantastic evening. Go home, love your family. Matthew, you almost missed that one. You almost, I was almost about to tell you to. Terrible. Take a lap. I never know when you're done talking, so just hold on. Hold on tight. Hold on for the ride. All right, take care, everybody. <laughs>